Following the fire in Notre Dame Cathedral the other week, the French Minister for Culture was reported by the BBC for saying that the most precious treasures belonging to the church have been saved. The most precious treasures of the church. That phrase reminded me of a story that took place approximately 1,000 years before Notre Dame Cathedral was built. It was the year 258 and the Roman Emperor Valerian was busy persecuting the Christian church. He ordered that all clergy be put to death and gave order to the imperial treasury that they had power to confiscate all money and possessions that belonged to the church. The Pope, Sixtus II, had just ordained a young Spanish theologian by the name of Lawrence, uh, and he had appointed him Archdeacon of Rome. This put Lawrence in charge of the church's property and responsibility for its outreach. Well, it was August the 6th, the year 258, and Valerian, the emperor, captured the Pope during a worship service and had him beheaded. Then he set his sights on the young Lawrence, who had been appointed as the Archdeacon of Rome. The Emperor demanded that Lawrence turned over all the treasures of the church. And he gave him three, three days to round all the treasures together. Lawrence knew that he had to act swiftly. He managed to round up all the chalices and vessels and pieces of silver, communion plates, all of those sort of things, as quickly as he could, everything he could lay his hands on. He sold the lot and distributed the money among the most vulnerable and the poorest people that he could find. That third day came and he approached the emperor's palace. He walked in through the door, completely empty-handed. The emperor demanded the treasure of the church. At which point, Lawrence gestured beyond the door that he had just walked through and pointed outside where he had gathered crowds and crowds of ordinary broken people. These, he said to the emperor, are the treasures of the church. The church is truly rich, far richer emperor than you will ever be. The emperor didn't like that very much, and he gave instruction to have him burned alive that same day. But it's a story that reminds us very powerfully 
that the church, in the widest, broadest sense, is unfathomably rich, but not in the way that the emperor and just about everybody outside of the church since the emperor might think. Paul puts it like this. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're wasting away. We are broken people, every single one of us. We're dying. We're on the course to die. We're weak, we're frail, we're broken. But there is something inside that is priceless. We are all broken. We're wasting away. Everything is broken. That phrase, broken home... Even the phrase broken marriage, broken family, those those are phrases that ought not to be singled out for a particular situation. They apply to everyone. Every person is broken. Every marriage is broken. Every home is broken. Every family is broken. Every business is broken. Every church is broken. Every society is broken. Now, that's not being bleak, it's not being morbid. That's reality. The wonder of the gospel is that it tells us how in our brokenness, in our weakness, whatever that looks like, the Spirit of God who is eternal chooses to live within us. Very often, Christianity is is talked about as though it were a belief system. You believe this, that, and the other, a set of theological propositions, doctrinal claims, and that's what makes you a Christian. Or maybe as a kind of pattern of behavior, the things that you do, if you live a morally good life, if, you, if you're engaged with a church, if you're an active member of a, of a church, if, if you live your faith out in those practical ways, that's, that's Christianity. All of those things kind of get sort of close to what being a Christian is, but they miss the thing that is at the very heart. And it is this, that to be a Christian is not so much just what you believe or even what you do, it is a state of being. A state of being which, which, which means that the spirit of the living God actually lives inside you. Treasure inside a jar of clay. Elsewhere, Paul says that our bodies are like temples for God's Holy Spirit. God himself lives in us. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was fond of saying that his favorite definition of a Christian was actually the title of a book written by Henry Schugel in, in uh, 1691. The life of God in the soul of man. That's a breathtaking thought. God, the author of the universe, actually has a living presence, not just around about you, but in you. I recently reread what is considered by many to be something of a a classic of of the 20th century, a book by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Uh, called Spiritual Depression. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical GP. 
he went on to become a pastor at uh, Westminster Chapel in London for over three decades. That book that he wrote, Spiritual Depression, was written nearly half a century ago now. And putting aside some of the language that he uses, honestly, it could have been written today because it speaks into the realities of life and its struggles and its brokenness and its pains today as much as in any age. His key idea was this, that no matter how we as human beings might feel, in other words, whatever our circumstances may be, whatever our state of mind, our our emotional state might be, whatever that might be going on inside us, whether we're talking depression, as the title of his book is, or, or, or anxiety, or fear, or exhaustion, whatever that might be that our feelings would say to us, he says that as a Christian, you have a different identity because God is in you. The spirit you have within you is not a spirit of fear. It is something radically different. And we need to be reminded of that. You are a child of God, and God himself lives in you, that treasure in a jar of clay. And he goes on to say at length, if you are a Christian, you need to be reminded of this and remind yourself of it time and time again, because the reality is very different to what your feelings will tell you and what your culture and what your circumstances will tell you. In a sense, you are no longer ordinary if you are a Christian believer. Well, you are ordinary, but he who lives within you is not. Now, that doesn't always correspond with the way we are feeling emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And that is all the reason, said Lloyd-Jones, why we need to remind ourselves that we have this very peculiar relationship with God. That God isn't just believed in, God lives within us. And so he goes on to say that we spend too much time listening to ourselves. Instead, we need to preach to ourselves. Rather than paying too much attention to what our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, our circumstances are saying to us, we need to preach to ourselves, he said this. We must not think of ourselves as ordinary people. We are not natural men and women. We are born again. God has given his Holy Spirit, and he is the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Therefore, to those who are particularly prone to spiritual depression through timorous fear of the future... I say in the name of God and in the words of the apostle, stir up the gift. Talk to yourself. Remind yourself of what is true of you. Instead of allowing the future and thoughts of it to grip you, talk to yourself. Remind yourself of who you are and what you are and of what spirit is within you. And having reminded yourself of the character of the Spirit, you will be able to go steadily forward, fearing nothing, living in the present, ready for the future, with one desire only, to glorify him who gave his all for you.
Next week, as a church, we begin a series that will be running through May, June and July called The Fruitful Life. We're going to be looking at discipleship and the fruit of the Spirit, what it means to pay very careful attention to that treasure that is within us. It's not inward looking, it's not spiritual navel gazing. It's putting at the very center of our thoughts that which is most precious. The fact that the living God chooses to come and live within our brokenness is the very thing that transforms lives and makes mission happen and changes and transforms the world around us. And over these coming weeks, that's what we're going to be thinking about. The treasure of the church. This treasure that is in jars of clay. 